Good morning, everybody. How are you? Welcome this morning. It's good to see you. Uh, I promise that as we start our Pivotal series next week that the uh, bumper to the intro will not be as, as heavy and, uh, and you know, Nosferatu-like. Um, uh, we're going we're gonna to be happy, but we're excited about uh, this series. You know, I just was uh, worshiping and, and, uh, and, and felt like the Lord just put something in my spirit. So if you guys will just uh, let me say this uh, here, and then we're going to move on. But uh, I feel like there is somebody watching online this morning, and, and one of the primary reasons that you're watching is because you want to learn English. And, uh, and if God, uh, and if that's you uh, today, wherever you are, um, I, I just, uh, I felt like the Lord put in my spirit to say to you uh, that God loves you and that God sees you where you are and uh, his hand is on you and he is sufficient uh, for you. Uh, you know, it would really mean a lot if you would reach out to us uh, just to, uh, you know, to let us know if we're, if we're blessing you and ministering uh, to you. Um, but I just wanted to say that I felt like the Lord uh, had that for me uh, to say. Um, so, you know, we are excited about what uh, the season we're about to enter into. I don't like the fact that it's a little cold in the air uh, in the evenings, um, but I do like football and small groups. Yes. Whoa. And, uh, and so you maybe pass those tables on your way in and see that we're signing up for small groups. Uh, they are beginning next Sunday, uh, September 10th. And so I've got a couple of people that I want to just bring up here and, and I'll let them share with you. Um, I'm not sure. Where, where are they? Maybe I don't have. A co- oh, here they come. Uh, man, you guys, you guys scared me there. The lights, and then there was the, the like, uh, scary bumper video, and now, uh, but um, just, the, you know, Brianna and, and Darren here uh, have had a great experience in small groups, and, and you know, I know uh, that you may have some questions, may have some thoughts, and I thought maybe uh, their stories could help you a little bit. I know, Brianna, uh, you, you attended a small group before you even attended church, right? Like, how, how was that? How did that get you connected? Yeah, uh, so it's scary trying to go to a new church, and so um, I'd heard about faith small groups for a while, and so just decided that that was where I would start, and getting connected in that small group um, gave me kind of the courage to be able to come on a Sunday morning and gave me people to sit with who I actually still sit with yeah. Every Sunday now, so yeah, that's it's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, if you're out there and you're inviting people to your small group, even if they don't, if they don't have a church, they don't go to church here. Um, so that's incredible. And I know you used this one phrase in in your text message to me that just like small groups created a revival in you, in you, and that phrase just really got me excited. Michelle, I'll tell you, I was just jumping around uh, when I heard that. But just uh, how, how does that like it created a revival for you? What does that What did that mean when you said yeah, that? Yeah, it absolutely did. Yeah. Um, it kind of kick-started a deeper relationship with Jesus that I didn't even know that I needed. Um, just being in a, in a room with people who are in the same stage of life as you, who are going to be around you, and who are kind of helping you through growing in your relationship with Jesus and the things that are going on in your life that you can't really get on a Sunday morning, just yeah. that intimate uh, opportunity to connect and just be with people is really, really powerful. Yeah. I, it's Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings, but it's like the perfect compliment, isn't it? I mean, like being with everybody and then having that one-on-one yes. kind of thing that you're talking about, that group and that dynamic. And Darren, I know, you know, you've been here a while. You've been in a several different small groups, and that's kind of uh, put you in a certain place and gave you a certain feeling. Describe that for us. Yeah, the small groups for me were um, like it just gave me a sense of community and the connections I made. It makes the, it really makes the church feel like home to me now. Yeah. Um, 
having been new here three years ago, it, it seems like it's been forever, and it's just a, it's just family, and yeah. I have an extended family now, and I know I can count on people, and they also kind of keep me in check too. So yeah, and I know nice. you're 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 in and out a lot, right? I mean, I know you travel with work, uh, you, you know, even Europe and back and forth to different places and stuff. And how, how does that kind of coming in and out, even during small group season? Oh well, so all the small groups I've been involved with are just amazing that I go on trips and I'm gone for a week or two and come back in and it's like I was never gone. Yeah. I get, you know, kind of spun back up on exactly where we are. And, you know, I get messages while I'm gone of, of what we're doing. And, you know, it just keeps, yeah. you know, you can always use work as an excuse. Sure. But yeah, it's, there's no excuse. It's yeah. those small groups are amazing. Well, for both of you, like, if somebody's on the fence about small groups, like, what, what would you say, uh, Brianna, what would you say to them if they're on the fence and they're like, I don't know if I really need to t invest the time in being in a group? Like, what, what, would you, what would you say to them? I would honestly say fully take the plunge and decide to do it because it really is, is life-changing. You know, I lead a very busy life, and having that opportunity to kind of ground yourself throughout the week is is really helpful, especially to someone with a busy life. So I absolutely recommend <laughs> take that plunge, yeah. Especially to somebody with a busy life, like the grounding, that is so cool. Darren? Was there oh, absolutely. Uh, it just, it, it has brought a calmness to my life yeah. to know that I, I have all these people here to support me. And I don't think I would have gotten that had I not been going to small groups. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Can we give them a hand this morning? Thank you guys for sharing uh, today. Again, you know, all that we ask is that you prayerfully consider being in a small group. We're not going to twist your arm. There's not in, in none of that stuff. Uh, next week, I will beg. Uh, if you uh, just want to see that, we'll come on back next week, and uh, I'm going to beg you to consider being in a small group. But we've seen it change people's lives so many times. Uh, like Brianna said, getting in with people that are maybe in your same stage of life, going through some of the same things you are, uh, can make a world of difference. Now, tonight we uh, have the opportunity to uh, share in baptism at Lake Stevens, and I uh, hope that if, if you're not being baptized, that you'll come out and at 7 o'clock and, and uh, watch those. We currently have 64 people that are prepared to be baptized tonight. Um, so we are so excited. And it is not too late. If you have not followed the Lord in baptism, then you need to sign up today. Nikki can get you a shirt, and you can be baptized uh, tonight with us. And the record for us, and I know you might think that's weird to think record, but this is really what we're all about is, is inviting people to Christ and seeing them make that public confession. So we do keep numbers, and the record for a year is 65, okay? So, th so we need two more of you, okay? So if you're on the fence and you have not followed the Lord in baptism, right, and uh, we would love for you to sign up and to be uh, a part of that and, and to come uh, tonight. And if it just, I mean, I think it's going to be a great celebration tonight, certainly uh, a, a, a record night for our church, an incredible night for our church. And uh, so you come on out to the beach at Lake Stevens. And uh, we, have, we have the beach rented there, but that we told them we were doing baptism, so they gave it to us at a reduced rate. We're not allowed to swim. We're not allowed to bring a grill, okay? Uh, just uh, heads up. So if I just wrecked your plans, I'm sorry, but uh, that we have that beach uh, for that specific purpose, but we'd love to see you out there. Now, this morning we are concluding this series on, uh, in Revelation, and, and uh, so that's why next week we have a happier uh, intro video, um, because it's going to be a whole new series called Pivotal, uh, talking about the pivotal moments in your life. And uh, we're going to finish this series this morning, and as we finish the series, I, I think 
God, have I fully communicated all the things that you had in my heart? You know, as, as God sort of helps me and I study and I pray and I kind of get here, have I fully communicated? And there's one image that as I was praying this week that the Lord just said, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, you've really done a good job there, okay? And, and me and God and I are good, so he can say those kind of things, uh, right? So I'm going to ask if, if my friend, uh, Brother Herbie, would come up here and uh, he would join us. Um, if, let's give Brother Herbie a hand because he's, I love him so much. And, you know, Herbie is somebody in, in my life that, you know, I, I'll go to, go to Herbie and I'll talk to him and, and, uh, and he'll counsel me and, and uh, he'll mainly just be a shoulder for me to cry on and he'll hear me out and all those things. And I, I love him and I trust him and I know that he loves me. And I know that as he speaks into me, I know that he's speaking from love. And if Herbie ever has something hard to say to me, I know he's going to couch it just right, and he's going to say it right, and he's going to say it in love, and he's going to encourage my heart. You know, this is the relationship that Jesus wants to have with us. And in Revelation chapter 3, you know, we look at it, and it's this picture, and there's some, a little bit of a, some a scary elements. But you know what? Jesus is saying, look, I'm in control. I have the power, and I'm in control, and I'm wise, and I love you. And I want to sit down with you. And I want to encourage you. You know, if you read these letters to the churches in each of them, that Jesus encourages each of those churches and, and says, hey, I know where you are. I know what you're doing. I believe in you. I love you. And then, he's, then Jesus is not afraid to have the hard conversation and to say, listen, I love you and you're good, but you need to address this and you need to change this. And, you know, this is something, you know, this is not just for this series this is not just, you know, for these specific, easy for me to say, uh, the chapter, uh, chapters in the Bible. But this is something that we need in our lives. Like, we need to sit down with the Lord. We need to talk with him. We need to listen to him. We need to let him encourage us. Let him guide us. Let him say the hard things that he needs to say to us. You need this, and I need this. We need this dynamic. And, 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 you know, Herbie was so gracious to come up and sit with me this morning just to give you an image in your mind that if, if you're not having a time with the Lord, it doesn't have to be every day. It can be, you know, I mean, there are seasons where you need it every day. But if there are not regular times in your life where you're sitting down and you're able to hear from the Lord and the Lord's able to speak into you and to guide you, then this is the picture that these chapters were designed to give us. A God who knows you, wants to sit down with you, who loves you, cares about you, and wants to speak into your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Brother Herbie. I love you, man. Appreciate you. Amen. And this morning as we conclude this series, we're going to look at these final three churches of these seven churches, the church at Sardis, the church at Philadelphia, and the church at Laodicea. And I want us to read from Revelation chapter 3 just a little bit about each of these churches, because it's interesting that they deal with a lot of the same issue. Um, the first four churches, they were dealing with some specific issues. In these verses, you won't hear about the Nicolaitans, you won't hear about Jezebel, and those were sort of themes in those first four churches. But in these churches, we see something different happening. And so I want to read from you, uh, for you, from Revelation uh, chapter 3, and then I'm going to read one verse from Proverbs chapter 29 because it fits and it's a, a really special verse uh, to me. But in Revelation chapter 3, it's, it's starting at verse 1, it says this, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Keep watch. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. 
Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not keep watch, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. Skipping down to verse 11, he says, To the angel of the church at Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are called the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Then in verse 14, to the angel of the church of Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Proverbs 29, 25, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Let's pray together. God, we rejoice in who you are. We have entered into your courts with praise and thanksgiving, God, as we have come into your presence declaring, Lord, that you have blessed us. And we are grateful for who you are. We are thankful for your guidance and for your peace. Lord, we pray that you would continue to speak to us and to lead us, God. I pray, Lord, that you would open your word for us today and that your spirit would add meaning. Lord, that you would lead me today as, and, God, help me to communicate what you've put in my heart for your people. Help me to strengthen them and to encourage them. Lord, I love you. We love you. You are welcome here. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There's an expression that I'm sure that you've heard it. Uh, you've probably used it at some point in your life, and it goes like this. I guess you can never really know someone right? I guess you can never really know. And that usually happens when somebody does something so out of character. Maybe they did something and they like blew up their lives or they did something crazy. And you're like, wow, I had a thought I knew him. I guess you can never really know someone. Like I thought I knew him until he did that crazy thing. I thought I knew her until she did something rational and sane. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But that idea of being known is really interesting, right? Like people think they know you. Somebody finds out that I'm a pastor and they immediately think they know. They, I can see it in their eyes. They kind of take a step back and they're like, oh, I know you, right? They think they know what I feel about everything, what I believe, the music I listen to, all of my habits just because I'm a pastor. They look at me and they say, oh, you're tall. Uh, you, you played basketball, right? And it's like, well, I did, but still, like, you, you know, I don't like it when people make assumptions. You don't know me, right? You don't know me. Just one time, can we all say that together? You don't know me. 
You don't know me. And I mean, maybe that's happened to you at school, like you walked into school and people saw you and you were maybe dressed a certain way or you have a certain personality and people make assumptions about you and they're like, oh, I know what kind of student they're going to be. I know what they're going to study in. I know what they're going to do. They just make those assumptions. And, And what do you say in those situations? You don't know. Come on now, guys. Come on. It's 11 o'clock. This is supposed to be the people that are awake. What do you say in those situations? You don't know me. I'll give you one more chance, maybe two more chances. You walk into work, right? You walk into work, and, and maybe you don't fit in. Maybe you're not like everybody else, and they look at you, and they make assumptions about you, right? They think, oh, well, they're not going to work hard, or they're, you know, this is who they are, and whatever. You know, they see, and they just make assumptions about your competency because, you know, of, of this, that, or the other. And you know what you say in those situations? You don't know me right? You don't know me. Now, this last one, I just want to move through quickly because it hurts a little bit, but I mean, maybe you've been in a church somewhere and you walked in, right? And they saw you and they saw how you were dressed. Maybe they saw a tattoo. Maybe they saw, they knew your parents or your siblings and, and, and they made assumptions about your walk with Jesus, right? And you know what it's okay to say in church sometimes, right? You don't know me. You don't know me, right? But to be fair to all of those people, sometimes I don't even really know myself. You know, like just to be fair. I mean, like I don't like to be fair to those people that make assumptions about me, but if I'm trying to be fair about them, sometimes, you know, there's things going on inside of me, things inside of you. You are encountering a new season of life, a new situation, and you don't even know like all the feelings and everything that's going on. Like sometimes I don't even know myself. But the amazing thing about Jesus is this. He knows you. It's the amazing thing about having a conversation with him. It's the amazing thing about connecting with him is he is the only one that fully knows you. Even when you don't know you, even when the other people are making assumptions about you and they're trying to pigeonhole you one way or the other and you say, man, you don't know me, but Jesus, he knows us. He speaks into us. He's able. And and nobody knows us fully and we don't fully know ourselves. But this is what makes a personal relationship with Jesus so powerful. Because he comes to us full of grace and truth, and he knows us completely. Like, why, why are we pushing? Why do we always, you know, why am I up here Sunday after Sunday in small groups and just different things saying, you know, hey, you need to strengthen and build this relationship with Christ. You need to get, come to a point where you can talk with him and, and have that relationship because he's the only one that knows you. He's the only one that has enough wisdom to speak into every aspect of your life to give you true and real direction. You know those people that give you that drive-by direction, right? They come in, they don't, they don't know anything, and they just walk in and think, oh, well, I can solve all your problems, right? I'm just working through. I've discovered a little bitterness in my heart this morning that I didn't know I had. But, you know, there's those people that come in and, like, their life is a mess, but they think they can fix your life, right? Don't say anything. Just don't. Just don't even say anything. But they just come through and they're just trying to give you advice. And, and you're just like, seriously, you're going to give me advice, right? There's just things you're not allowed to say as a pastor. But, um, <laughs> but Jesus, he is the one. He's the one who has walked this earth. He is the one who has lived sinless. And he's the one that knows you inside and out. He, he knows your past, and yet he died for you and he loves you. He knows your present, right? And, and yet he knows you and he loves you. I was, I was thinking, we, we hate the present. Like, we are so easy to get caught up in the past 
And we are so easy to get caught up in the future. And we think that God is the same. We think that God is so caught up in my past, he doesn't forgive me and he's just rehearsing it constantly. No, he's not. He loves you. He forgives you. He died for you. We skip right over the present and we think, oh, I'm going to become this one day. You know, God's not waiting on you to become anything. God doesn't need you better before he loves you. He loves you in the present. He lived and died for you right now, sitting right here. Whatever physical shape you're in, whatever spiritual shape you're in, whatever, wherever you are, God loves you right now in the present. And he also loves you in the future because he sees the future. And he died for you. And he loves you. And he, this is the thing. I mean, this is the thing for me that is so powerful about just entering into that conversation with him. And just having that encounter and allowing him to speak into us. You know, in each of these seven churches that we've gone over, Jesus has given them an indication and talked to them in a way that shows that he personally knew them. And as we look at these specific churches this morning, I'm struggling with that word. I'm sorry. Specific, specific, specific. As we look at these three specific churches this morning, uh, we, we see that Jesus, one of the things that he really wanted to communicate to them is, I know you. I'm not just throwing out these drive-by corrections, but I know where you are and what's going on. As he talks to the church in Sardis, he says this, keep watch. He tells them, keep watch. Some translations translate as stay awake, but that's not a good translation of that word. The word is keep watch. And the interesting thing about Sardis is that it was a city that historically had been attacked. It was in a pivotal place, and it was attacked uh, several times. But there were two times in the history when a soldier or a group of soldiers had scaled a wall on the side of Sardis. This wall came up off of a cliff out of a valley and went up high, and the people in Sardis, they thought that nobody could climb that wall, so they didn't watch it. And so this heroic feat, this, this, the first time this one soldier climbed up that cliff and free climbed up that wall, got over the wall, in through, opened the gates, and the army attacked, just walked in through the gates and attacked the city of Sardis. It's like one time, okay, I get it. Guess what happened the next time? Fifteen soldiers climbed it the second time, and they still were living under the assumption that nobody could climb this wall. Those 15 soldiers climbed up, opened the gate, and the army went right in. And so Jesus, when he speaks to them, Sardis is a city that's known, has a reputation, like historically, like if you said Sardis, everybody would go, oh, the guys that don't watch the wall, right? And so when Jesus comes to them and he speaks to them, what is he saying to them? He says to them, keep watch. Keep watch. It's like, I know you. I'm speaking directly to you. This is not blanket stuff that's just for everybody. This is for you. I'm speaking into your situation. I know who you are. The church in Philadelphia, and of course, when we say Philadelphia, we're talking about the ancient city of Philadelphia that was in Asia Minor that is now Turkey, not in Pennsylvania, okay? And I just, you know, I, I was well into my teen years before I figured that out. It's embarrassing enough to say. But, I mean, you just hear somebody say Philadelphia, and you're like, you know, Eagles and, uh, you know, Steelers and uh, whatever. Not that one, okay? This is the one that that one is named after. But in the ancient city of Philadelphia, there was a huge population, a huge Jewish population in the city. And the Christians, when they came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, they would go to synagogue on, on Saturday still, and then they would ask the rabbi if they could meet on Sunday in the synagogue. And, and so the, the church began to meet in the synagogues on, on Sundays. That was the Lord's Day. That's, that's why we meet on Sundays, because that's the Lord's Day. 
And the rabbi would allow it. They would use the synagogue on Sunday until the church started to grow and started to become big. And a lot of people started to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And they saw all the things that, that happened in the church. And the Jewish people then said, no, no, no. And they kicked them out of the synagogue. And they closed the door. They slammed the door in their face. And for them, that to be rejected by the Jewish culture meant that they were rejected by their family, rejected by many of their bosses. They lost their whole kind of plug-in, you know, their connections in society. But also, it meant that they lost government protection because the, the Roman, the Greek and Roman governments were okay with the Jews. They would allow them to do anything, but they didn't want other religions springing up, much less one that claimed to have one God and one Messiah and Savior. And so when they got kicked out of the synagogue, they got kicked out of all that protection, and it was like a door slamming in their face. And what does Jesus say to them? He said, I am the one who has the key of David. Like, is there anything more Jewish than the key of David? Like, if you were just trying to sit and think about something that was Jewish, like, you could, I bet the key of David's pretty Jewish, right? I've got the key of David, and I'm going to open a door for you that no one can shut and shut a door that no one can open. To these people who have been ostracized and felt like the door has been slammed in their face, Jesus is saying what? I know you. I know right where you are and right what you're going through. You know, there's a verse in uh, Revelation 3 that you probably knew or heard before you ever uh, came into this series or any of that. And that verse is about Laodicea. Like, you're neither hot nor cold, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, right? We've heard that somewhere, right? Probably some preacher yelling at you. But... You know, that sounds like just a random metaphor, like, oh, hot water, cold water, I get it. But do you know that in Laodicea, they had a six-mile aqueduct that had to bring water in. That aqueduct was made out of limestone. And you can imagine that water going through that sort of uh, stone pipe and getting to the city, that it became tepid. And as it ran through that limestone pipe, it picked up minerals along the way. So that if you took a ladle and you just scooped out of that water when it came in and you just took a big drink, it was going to be tepid and it was going to be full of those minerals and you would immediately throw up. Now, there was another city that was close to them called Herapolis, and they had hot water springs where you could be healed, right? They, they say, oh, these are the healing springs. Spa day? You want a spa day? We're going to go to Herapolis, right? And up there, because their water is hot. And then there was another city that was close to them, a neighboring city called Colossae. And Colossae, I like the, I like the Fiji water. Do you like the, I don't know what kind of water that you like, but if I'm in, in uh, the convenience store and I have to get the water, it, it's in a square bottle. That's why I'm doing my fingers like this. So you have to have just the right cup holder, right, uh, to get the Fiji water. But I like the Fiji water. But, you know, Colossae's water was known to be pure. It was known to be cool and refreshing. And they would uh, put it in containers and they would carry it other places because it was such amazing and refreshing water. And Jesus is speaking right into them, and he's saying, listen, you're neither cold nor hot. You're just like the water that comes out of your aqueduct. I know you. I know your neighbors. I know what's going on around you. I know your story, and I want to speak into you. Jesus is worth listening to because he knows you fully, is the personification of wisdom, and knows the exact balance of grace and truth that you need to thrive and guys, it takes an investment. I mean, why, why do I, I feel like I could put this up here on any given Sunday without any context and you would be like, amen, brother. But listen, we all get busy. 
We carry on through the week, and it takes an investment of time to, to learn the Scriptures, to get in a place where we have that back-and-forth conversation with Jesus. I mean, we all can get behind the, behind the car, you know, the steering wheel in the morning on the way to work and shout out to Jesus all the stuff that's wrong with our lives and say, fix it, and say amen, right? I mean, that's pretty easy. But that's certainly not the kind of conversation that's, that God just wants with us. He wants to sit down. He wants to talk with us. He wants there to be a back and forth. Jesus, what about this? And he speaks to us through the scriptures and in our heart, and he guides us, and he directs us, and he wants that back and forth. And it takes a little effort to get there. It takes a little effort to quiet your brain. It takes a little effort to, to, to know the scriptures well enough that he can speak and all those things. But it's worth it because he knows you because he's wise, because he's willing to have the hard conversation. Maybe you don't have anybody else in your life that's willing to tell you you need to change this. But Jesus will do it if, if you invest the time to get to a place to hear from him. He knows you. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows you fully. You know, these three churches, they, they dealt with a very similar issue. As I mentioned to you, there's no talk here about Nicolaitans. There's no talk about Jezebel, which we've talked about over the last four churches. But these churches dealt with all the same issue, but in very different ways. Their issue was that they cared about the opinion of other people, that they allowed the opinion of others to dictate how they served the Lord. And the church in Sardis they were the type of people and the type of Christians who they wanted to do just enough so that people around them knew they were Christians, but not so much that they appeared to be super holy, right? It's like, I, I want you to know that I'm a Christian and I, you know, uh, I, I believe in Jesus and I go to church, but I'm still fun at the parties, right? It's like, oh, I believe in Jesus, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, it's all good. It's all good. You know, I'm, I'm still, I, I'm still here. I mean, they wanted to do just enough to please God, right? I like, I want to be holy, but not too holy, right? I just want to be on the line. I want to be good enough so that I know if I die, I'm going to go to heaven, but not so good that like my, my friends feel awkward around me at all. And they wanted to walk this line. And Jesus comes in and he says, listen, I know you have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. I know that you have a reputation. I know that you've done all of these things sort of halfway so that the people around you, they think that you're a Christian. They think that you're a believer, but you've not really kind of crossed the line to where we're really connected. And there's no, my life is not flowing through you on a daily basis. You've done just enough to put out the vibe, right? Like I'm a Christian, okay? But I'll go to any movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do anything, but oh, but I'm a Christian, you know? And you're putting out that vibe. And, and, and Jesus says, listen, you, you, it can't be that way. If you, if you don't wake up, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to appear, he says, like a thief, which is with that theme of, of keeping watch. Jesus says, listen, some of the, you know, you could, oh, man, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't even know if I want to say I don't like to be this guy, okay? This isn't in the manuscript, so just bear with me. I love you. I'm sorry I'm about to say this. But, I mean, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, Right? Not only that, but we, we believe that Jesus is coming back. We believe that he's going to return. And, and either of those things can happen in an instant. And Jesus says to them in Sardis, look, I'll come like a thief in the night. And you think, oh, well, I'm, I'm doing this dance here, right, because I'm maintaining a reputation as a Christian, but I'm really dead inside. And Jesus says, I could come back at any point. And, and I don't... I don't want to say that in a way that the, the return of the Lord or your death should never be something that brings fear into your heart. 
You're not going to die until God's plan is done in your life. And he's going to walk beside you until then. But we, it's easy to just get away from the realities. And Jesus says, listen, these are, this is true, okay? So you can do your little dance, but just know that I know is what Jesus says. Now, the church of Philadelphia, you know, they receive this glowing report from the Lord. Despite being kicked out of the synagogue, despite being judged by all of these people, you know how, I mean, if you think about it, how easy would it have been in that moment, you know, when you're losing your job, when you're being kicked out of your church, when you're being alienated from your family, to say, you know what, I'm not really sure about this Jesus guy, right? Uh, Maybe we're still waiting on the Messiah, you know, let me back into synagogue, right? How easy it would have been. But you know what the church of Philadelphia did? They said, I don't care what other people say about me. I believe in Jesus. And Jesus praised them. And, and, he, and he called them out and he said, listen, I know what you're going through. I know that you've been ridiculed. I know that your family's rejected you. I know your church has rejected you and, and all those things. But I know that you've been faithful to me. Jesus says, I know your strength is little. He said, I know how hard that is to endure those things. He said, but listen, I I see you, I love you, and if you hold on to the end, I'll reward you for that. And I'll be, in fact, you know, I didn't read that part, but in the letter to Philadelphia, he says, there's a trial coming on you, but I'm going to keep you from it because I've seen that you've been through hardship and you've persevered and you stayed faithful to my name. And the church at Laodicea, the church at Laodicea, they thought that they could portray the idea that they were blessed And that that blessing would convey and communicate to everybody that they had a faithful relationship with God. Look, at Sardis, they were content to sort of play church, right? They said, we're going to fake church. We're going to put this out there. Everybody's going to wear, oh, we're Christians. I put, you know, Bible verses on my social media posts, and I do all these things, but I have no real relationship with God. But Laodicea, they wanted to fake the blessed life. Their idea was, you know what, well, we've got money, we're taken care of, I'm good. And everybody looking in on the outside, they're going to see the emblem on my car, they're going to see the house that I live in, and they're going to go, oh, well, they've got to have a good relationship with Jesus because they're blessed. And Jesus comes and says to them, listen, those outward things are not going to artificially create a relationship with me. Jesus says this, we read this earlier, Revelation 3, 17 through 19. You say, I'm rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You know, there's a, there's a level of pride in us that comes up and, and when we, you know, we say, I don't need anybody or anything. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. You know, if I said to you this morning, if I said, you know what, you're naked, you're poor, the, the instinct inside of you would be to say, no, I'm taken care of. No, look, I, I got here this morning. I, I drove my own car. I live in my own house. I do all of these things. But those blessings are not an indication of your relationship with God. There are people that we saw just a few weeks ago in Honduras that have a powerful relationship with God, and yet they have none of those things that we just mentioned. These are two totally separate things, and it's a lie, and we can be deceived in thinking that, oh, well, I have all of these things in my life, so God must be pleased with me. 
all that means is that you've figured out how to survive and thrive in this world, but this world is not our home. And Jesus says, listen, just because you have those things does not mean I am pleased with you. Just because you can convey to everyone else, oh, I'm living the blessed life, that does not mean that you're living under the blessing of God. Jesus comes, and he knows them, so he's willing to have that hard conversation. And I, I want to conclude the series this morning with two questions, and, and these two questions are, are really spiritual questions, okay? And, and so, I, But I hope that you'll dig in, and I want to flesh them out for you here. But the first question is this. How are you clothed spiritually? And like, what does that mean? I mean, what does it mean to be clothed? You know, Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God that we're supposed to put on. Jesus talks here about white robes that we're supposed to put on. What does that mean to be clothed spiritually? Let me just ask you some practical questions. Is there prayer covering you? Conversations with Jesus where there is a healthy back and forth. I I, want to tell you, you're vulnerable if you're not listening to the one who fully knows you, if there's nowhere in your life, if you're going weeks and months and years and you're never able to just sit down with Jesus and talk to him and he through his spirit speaks to you in your heart and gives you guidance, if you're never able to have that conversation with Jesus where he's able to say those hard things into you and things need to change, then there's a vulnerability. There's a lack of covering. Is there a growing knowledge of the scriptures that protects your mouth, eyes, feet, and thoughts? Is there a growing knowledge of the scriptures? I mean, to speak to us about what we ought to be saying, considering that we have the power of life and death in our tongue, that, that it's talking to us about our eyes, where we ought to look. Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Your feet your thoughts? Is the scripture growing inside of you and changing all of those things? Maybe you're not perfect yet, but is it growing? Is it maturing? Is it coming in so that when you start to think those destructive thoughts that the scriptures begin to flow and the spirit begins to move and say, no, 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 no. That's not true. There's a protection in that. There's a covering in that. Is there a community of believers praying over you and helping you refine your Christian walk? The Apostle Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's a plural you. It's y'all. Work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling. And you say, Pastor, look at these things. I mean, they're just so, they're so Sunday morning. But the truth is that this is, what the, this is what the Bible tells us to do if we're going to be protected, if we're genuinely going to be connected. You can fake it. You can fake it for me. You can fake it for all the people that matter in your life. But if you want to be genuinely connected to God, Jesus says, what are you wearing spiritually? Are you covered in these things? And the second question is this. Are you sure that you're seeing things in your own life clearly? You know, there's an arrogance, a pride that we all have, and we don't really recognize it, but we just assume that we know what's going on in our own heart, that we know what's going on in our own life. And Jesus comes to the church at Laodicea, and he says, are you sure? 
Are you sure that you know what's happening? Do you know what's underlying all the things around you? I mean, didn't just this last week or the last couple weeks you spoke out of turn and you said something and you realized, oh, I didn't even know every, I didn't know the whole story. Do you even, do we know the whole story of our own heart? Is your heart humble before the Lord so that you receive the truth when he speaks it? Are you so prideful that you justify your actions and believe that your rationalizations and justifications supersede what God has said? When God speaks to us, I mean, do you immediately just start making excuses and start making like, oh, oh no, God, you, you don't understand. Oh, God, I can't do that. You don't understand how this relationship. Oh, God, I, I can't do that right now. The, the finance. Oh, God, I, I can't do that. So that God can't even speak to us without saying, God, I, I really know more than you. And you override what God is saying in your life. How are you clothed spiritually? Are you sure that you're seeing things in your own life clearly? Can we just take a moment, just bow our heads before the Lord and just take these, these couple of minutes and just say, God, will you open our eyes? God, will you open our hearts? Lord, you know my habits. Lord, you know my relationship with the scriptures. You know my prayer life, God. Lord, I, I, I may have been able to put out the front so that other people think that my relationship is stronger than it really is with you. But God, I desire to submit to you. I desire to hear from you. Lord, I recognize that I need you, God, and I need you to speak to me. Lord, will you put a hunger in my heart for your presence and prayer and your scriptures? And God, will you put a hunger in my heart for community so that I'm connected to other people in the body of Christ, God, and, and that people are helping me and I'm not just trying to be fake, this lone ranger. God, that everybody just I'm trying to make them think I'm perfect. God, I need you. I need your word. I need your presence. I need your people. Lord, I thank you for providing those things. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of my heart. Lord, allow me to see my situation. Allow me to see myself through your eyes, that I could know the truth, Father, that I could be guided by, by the reality of my life and not just what I've convinced myself is true and right. Lord, I thank you because you lead us. I thank you because you know us and yet you haven't run away you're right there with us. I rejoice in who you are today. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. As we stand together this morning, our prayer team is coming. Maybe you have something coming up this week that's a, a big appointment. Maybe you have a relative that doesn't know the Lord as their Savior and you want to pray for them. Even as everyone else makes their way out the door, the, these folks are up here and they would love to just take a minute and pray with you. There's power in agreement uh, of prayer and they would love to pray with you. And this is the last time I'll have a chance to say this but for this particular time, but if you've not followed the Lord in baptism, he's given us that command. And so I want to encourage you to see them out in the lobby and sign up. If you want to be baptized tonight and join us, we would love to see you follow the Lord in baptism. God, I pray your blessing on your people today as they go from this place. Give them a peace that passes understanding so strong on their lives, God, that people around them take notice and people come up to them and say, what's different about you? You seem so grounded 
just have this peaceful vibe. And our answer will be, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. My connection to Jesus has given me peace. I, I, I know that I'm going to be okay. God, I thank you for this peace. And I pray this blessing on your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Peace be with you.